0: The Great Outdoors. A place of mystery, a place of serene beauty, and a place of terrifying horror stories. Welcome back to the Swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy, and allegedly true, outdoors horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net, or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help me keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, without further ado, let's get into these creepy, and allegedly true, outdoors horror stories that'll keep you away from the woods. Opening day of deer season in northern Michigan is viewed more as a holiday than just another outdoor activity. People from all over the state come in droves filling all the campgrounds, hotels, and bars the night before. Never understood that. Mixing alcohol and deer rifles. Most of these people don't care if they even see a deer. They take this time to escape their everyday life and just relax. Although, some are too hungover to even get up the next morning and trek through the woods to their hunting spot. Our family is fortunate. We have resided in the small town of Grayling, Michigan since the early 1930s. We have a couple hundred acres of land that is used primarily for farming and hunting. There are whitetail mounts displayed in our homes that can attest to how fruitful our land is. We used to get together the night before opening day and partake in several intense poker games. Additionally, we would take this time to do some last-minute strategizing and go over our gear by doing a mental checklist. Our opening day gathering spot was held at our family cabin that is set deep in our woods on our property. To get to this location, you would have to turn on four-wheel drive and travel via rugged two tracks that would bounce your head off the truck roof if you weren't holding on right. Concussions aside, it is a very beautiful location. The cabin consists of one bedroom and two bathrooms with a pair of bunk beds in each and a pull-out couch in the living room. The main living area is an open-concept space with the living room, kitchen, and dining room connected. Signal was non-existent at the cabin, so there is a vast collection of magazines, books, and VHS tapes for this ancient TV, with a built-in slot that I don't think has ever been used in over a decade. However, the magazines have a thick layer of dust on them since the curation at the cabin leaves little to no time for boredom. Unfortunately, this was not the case a couple years back. As the years went by, fewer and fewer hunters made the trip to the family cabin. The cabin, as I wish to remember it, was once a place full of family, friends, and great memories, but is now tarnished by a sickening nightmare. The weather that night was frigidly cold, and upon my arrival at the cabin I immediately started a fire in the wood stove. This would prove to do very little to take the edge off. Snow fell around the cabin, creating a thick layer of fluff that muffled any sound, creating an eerie quietness. I remember standing over the fire, cooking a can of soup that sat upon the stove. Next to it, a pot of water was boiling to make up a cup of hot chocolate. I knew I was going to be here for only one night, but I remember feeling especially lonely. This was because, for the first time in camp history, only one person was staying in the cabin that November night. My family all had something else going on. My dad had started a new job that had him working the next morning. Although he did not mind, because it was a great step up from his previous job, my uncle and cousins were going to hunt at another location that was over an hour away, which meant they would have to get up around 3am just to make the drive to their hunting blind. I didn't blame them for wanting to sleep a little bit longer. So there I was with my tin can meal, walking over to the broken VHS tape and just trying to get something to work so I had some entertainment. Giving up, I saw something standing outside the front window looking in at me. I nearly flipped backwards, trying to get away, bumping into the dining room table. I refocused all my attention on the front window, but there was nothing. I could have sworn I saw a dark figure standing outside. I chalked it up to the snow falling a certain way and possibly a small case of cabin fever. I turned on every light in the cabin, not wanting to see outside any longer. I did not want to risk being fooled again by my overactive imagination. I was a third of the way through my movie with an empty can of soup and a half-drunk cup of hot chocolate in front of me on the carved wooden table. Sprawled out on the dining room table and the chairs were my hunting clothes and gear. I had cleaned my rifle earlier in the night and leaned it in the corner of the room by the head of the couch just a couple of feet away from where I was sitting. The movie had ended and I had laid there, staring at the ceiling when a new wave of horrific emotions came over me. Uh, I was being watched. I was scanning the windows, trying to figure out where the hollowed stair was coming from, when I saw it. Across the living room, my great-grandfather's prized deer mount hung just above the entertainment center and was supposed to be facing the back of the cabin, but was looking right at me. I started to scream as its neck made a series of popping noises that sounded like bones and flesh tearing from their joints. The monstrosity began to look me up and down. Another loud pop erupted from the room as the animal's lower jaw fell to the floor, creating a loud thud and sending teeth flying all over the wooden floor. When I thought my screams couldn't get any louder, I jolted up from the couch, covered in sweat. It had been a dream. I sat there with my heart beating through my chest. I looked over at the clock on the microwave to see that it was three o'clock in the morning. The deer mount across the room was looking in its proper direction, but I did not care to stare at it for more than just a couple of seconds to ease my worries. I stood up feeling like I was being watched still, which was to be expected after a nightmare as hellish as that. The fire in the stove had burned down to just glowing coals, so I got it going up again. I went over to the sink to fill the pot full of water to prepare a coffee for my morning hunt. That would begin in just a couple of hours. Halfway through filling the pot, I heard a sound that made my heart skip a beat. The floorboard behind me creaked, and with it came the vibration of a footstep. I was frozen where I stood. I did not know whether to run or turn around. I thought maybe I could try to do some sort of spin move to get away from whatever it was. I worked with the courage to slowly turn around, but there was nothing there. At this point, I was thoroughly spooked. No, in fact, I was straight up terrified. Between the figure outside that I had tried to convince myself was not real, the horrifying nightmare, and now the sensation of someone standing right behind me, I knew I wanted to leave. I told myself that there was only a few more hours until I would make the journey to my dear blind, and an hour or so that would bring the security of daylight. Then it hit me. A thought that hadn't crossed my mind. Was supposed to leave the cabin and walk through the darkness of the forest. This sent shivers down my spine. I would have my rifle with me for protection, but this still didn't put my mind at ease. What I was dealing with did not feel natural. I sat back down on the couch and began to think about how I wanted to just leave entirely. But I was determined that I would walk to my blind about 5.30 to get there before daylight came. I would have normally left sooner, but this would have allowed much less time sitting in the dark before the sun illuminated the sacred land. I somehow managed to doze off sitting up on the couch, but was awoken by a pounding on the cabin door. This erupted me in some sort of fear I've never experienced before. I stood there staring at the door waiting for another dreadful knock. Instead, my dad's deep voice came booming from the opposite side of the door. He sounded concerned, so I rushed to the door to see what had brought him all the way out here. I went to open the door but stopped. This made no sense. The door was unlocked. My dad might have given a courtesy knock, but then he would have let himself in. I knew I'd fallen asleep, but I believed I would have heard this diesel truck come up to the cabin. It's pretty loud. I took another step back and saw something in the corner of my eye. To the right of the cabin door hung a mirror that was reflected most of the living room and the kitchen area. What had caught my eye was the reflection of a figure I crouched behind me in the middle of the room, ready to pounce. The sight of this thing made me want to puke. It was a deer that had flesh hanging from its body. The antlers on it jutted out in several different directions. It was covered in an infectious, decaying skin. Then the pungent smell hit me like a ton of bricks and made me gag. A familiar sound echoed in the cabin. It was the pumping noise I had heard in my dream that had come from the deer mount. This creature thrust its body backwards, causing it now to stand on its hind legs. I had to get out of there. The keys to my vehicle hung below the mirror on an antler that we had screwed into the wall to make it like a key rack. I grabbed them and flung the door open. The sound of hooves chased behind me, clacking against the floorboards. I must have hit the unlock button on my key fob ten times before reaching my truck, even though it was only a few yards from the cabin. I jumped in and floored it out of there, not daring to look back. I have never returned to that cabin. The land on that cabin, it's, it's pending sale right now. And a couple of guys from Downstate are trying to buy it. I hope it doesn't go through. The only advice I have for you is if you come across an abandoned cabin in north central Michigan, do not approach it. In fact, get out of those woods as fast as possible. Not many people believe me when I tell this story, and I understand why, but I will always know the truth. For some backstory, I go to a summer camp in the middle of the woods in Texas for a month every summer. I've been going there since I was around six years old, so I know my way around very well, and this camp has been open since the 1930s, so it's a bit spooky. Last summer, I was having a good time at camp as usual, until the first night of the third week. I woke up at around 2.30 to hear some weird whispers. It's kind of hard to describe. At first, like anyone else, I was thinking it was my cabin mates. I told them to shut up, and that seemed to work. I was barely drifting back to sleep when I heard something right in my ear say, "Know you. I scream and sit up as fast as I can, banging my head on the piece of wood connected to the top bunk. I hit my head so hard that I literally blacked out. When I woke up, I wasn't in my bed. I was laying in one of those empty horse stalls. The stables were down a short trail from the rest of the camp. I don't know how I could have sleepwalked there without going into the woods and you can't lock the horse stalls from the inside and the one I was in was locked. I looked around confused before climbing out of the stall since I couldn't unlock it. I started walking back to my cabin scared as hell when I heard it again, the whispering. I screamed again and booked it back to my cabin. Just as I thought I should be there by then, I see the stables again. At this point, I'm petrified, and tears are filling my eyes. Nothing felt normal anymore. I felt like I was floating, like I was running in circles, like I just wasn't safe. It just felt like something was messing with me, playing a sick game with its next victim. I was frozen, thinking of what to do. The raspy whispers sounded louder now, and I could make out what they were saying. Jesus. is as much as I can remember them saying. I still just stood there, with the darkness closing in on me. The next thing I knew, I woke up from the forest floor. The dread set in. I had no idea where I was. I got up and started running in all different directions, when suddenly, I finally saw it. A cabin. It was the cabin for the twelve-year-olds, but it was the closest, and I was scared to death. I got to the door, banged on it once, then blacked out again. I woke up the next morning in the nurse's station, and I told everyone my story, and nobody believed me of course, but I know what happened that night. The weird thing is, the stall I was in, it was locked and you could see my bare footprints going away from the stables, then stopping, but no prints going to the stables. What do you think? Please, help me figure out what happened, because I love this camp, but I don't know if I'll be going back this year. Hey Swamp Folk, I apologize to interrupt these stories. I know it's an inconvenience, but I just had to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. No matter how you're feeling about getting back out there, there's no denying it's an adjustment. When the world gets too loud, something I love to do is create my own soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. Sometimes, you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people, or to stay calm with some guided meditation. I like to listen to all of my favorite podcasts with my Raycons. Whether I'm working outside or simply working out, my Raycons keep me connected to my favorite outlets. Let me tell you right now, Raycons are the best way to listen. They came with a bunch of gel tip for your comfort, and unlike some of the other brands I've used, they don't stick to your ears. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, so you can listen to whatever you want, when you want, for a really long time. They start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. Raycons come with a 45-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. Give them a try, and you'll see what I mean. My stories will sound better than ever on some Raycons. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon. Right now, Swamp Dweller listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash That's buyraycon.com slash to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash Hi, my name is Amber, and I have a short story. I was out camping in the state of Arkansas, not far from home with my boyfriend. I'll call him B. We set out on a camping trip to the river, where we camp out by the water on the sandbar. We brought along his son, who I will call Z for the story. We decided to take our dog Nimbus for protection, since he's a big dog and scares people, and animals away. As we already set up our tent and got a fire going... Zee and Nimbus were running down the side of the water, and both my boyfriend and I were casting out fishing poles enjoying the sunset. Z had whined about being hungry, and I began to set my pole down so I could walk over to our cooler and get a pack of hot dogs and such so he could eat them with some bread. Hours go by, and my dog Nimbus was laying down falling asleep, when all of a sudden his nose points up into the air, sniffing intently something both myself and my boyfriend noticed. Z, being a kid, did not seem to care and continued to play by the water. B had commented something along the lines of it must be a wild hog or coyote nearby. I, on the other hand, had gotten a very uncomfortable reaction. Nimbus stands on all four legs now and sprints off into the woods. I'm horrified and obviously scared something or someone is there, and he took off after it. My dog is a great Pyrenees and a pit bull mix, only a year and a half standing at five foot tall on his back legs. Never, ever has he been aggressive or even uneasy around anyone, but for some reason, something sent him into a frenzy, and he started barking and howling. B had a flashlight and started calling for him to come back, me sitting in my spot watching Z making sure he's not chasing after his dad or getting scared, as he is at the age where he's scared of the dark. So I call him to come sit by the fire and hand him a snack cake and we wait for his dad to return. But he was gone for about 10 minutes and had gotten far down the bank calling our dog. I could hear coyotes running and howling on the other side of the river. Frogs and toads chirping so I knew we weren't in danger. Or I tried to convince myself of that. I had decided to call for both Bee and Nimbus because I started to worry that they were going to be attacked by coyotes. I called Nimbus the most hoping he'd hear me and come running. I hadn't seen B or heard him for quite a while. I wasn't seeing his light either, so I asked Z to stay by the fire, and I grabbed a spare light. I didn't want to go far because I don't want to leave Z alone, and I really don't want to walk in the woods to search for B or Nimbus by myself, but they've gone for quite some time now, and I'm beginning to get very, very worried. Z started to cry, saying he wanted his dad. I tried to tell him it'll be okay, and he will be back soon but I started getting more worried. I heard howling, getting closer, and heavy breathing, but not sure who or what it was. I heard the sound like growling or some sort of a fight between a dog and an animal. Me being absolutely horrified and unable to move, Z crying in my arms worried about his dad, I heard a gunshot, and then complete silence. I looked around frantically. In all directions of the woods, unable to see the... anything. I was hardly able to see past the glow of the fire. I was blind. I'm begging Z to quiet down to help me call for B. He sobs and shakily calls out for his dad. I call for B louder and louder until I hear panting coming from the woods and look to see a pair of eyes moving in the woods. I don't say or do anything, not wanting Z to see it and start screaming. I keep my eyes on it until it disappears running away the opposite direction. I soon see a light and hear B and Nimbus running to us. Z runs to his dad and B picks Z up and lets him cry in his chest before getting to the inhaler and allergy meds for Z before he, he has to take him to bed. Usually, he'll have a bad fit. We try to comfort him as best as we can. Me, who is still freaked out by the eyes and the noises I heard, being paranoid of every sound. I wait for B to put Z to sleep and he comes back. He walks up shortly after. I ask him what happened and what the shot I heard was. B said Nimbus was chasing something most likely that was maybe a coyote or something similar. But Nimbus had gotten very far away. That's when B heard howls and growls. That's when he put a shot in the air to scare off whatever it was. He usually carries a handheld with him when camping for anyone or anything for our safety. Thankfully, it had stopped whatever Nimbus was fighting, and he heard it take off running, and Nimbus had slowly walked back to B. Shortly, he walked back. After him telling me this, I wasn't sure what to tell him about the eyes. I had seen because I wasn't sure myself what I had seen either. They were about ten yards away in the tree line, on a small incline, so I could barely tell the height the eyes were sitting at. But I tried to sleep, but fear sunk into me as I listened to Swamp Dweller's scary stories almost every single night at home, and I've heard him tell stories about things in the Ozark Mountains and even the rivers. I was restless to any noise I could have heard, And at daylight, we finally started to get out of there. B and Z both woke up and started packing, leaving me in the tent to sleep a few more hours, till they decided it was time to go home. I haven't been camping again in that spot in a while now, but if we do, I'm taking all my dogs and carrying something myself, because those eyes haunt me on the drive home every night. My great-grandmother owned 28 acres in rural Kentucky. She left 14 acres to my aunt Ruth and 14 acres to my gram. My gram left her land and her house to my husband and me. My experience happened before my husband and I ever met. About eight years ago, I was out in the woods behind her house with my ex-boyfriend and my friend. We were exploring and just hanging out. Sometime during our escapade, I split from them and went off on my own. I know my land well as I grew up here, so I headed for a clearing. I thought it would be a kind of a nice way to relax. The clearing in question is close to the edge of the woods, and you can even make out the back of my barn if you look hard enough. When I cleared the trees, I immediately felt like I was being watched. It was so sudden and so intense. I stopped in my tracks, some part of my mind was in control, but it didn't feel like me, if that makes any sense. The part that was in control of me turned around, so I'd face the way I just came. Slowly, and not to make a sound. When I turned, I didn't see anything right away, just the forest I came out of, and what looked like a downed tree off to the left. But my head told me to move slowly out of the woods. To do that, I'd have to pass the downed tree, as the path out of the woods runs that way. For some reason, I really did not want to do this my body started telling me not to move. I eventually forced my way down the path, moving my body towards the path towards the tree that I really was terrified of, keeping my eye on it the entire time. But the closer I got to it, the less the tree looked like a tree. Finally, I was in front of it, about 10 feet away. I noticed it definitely was not a tree. It was an impossibly large wolf-like creature and it was staring right at me. It was lying down with its head on its paws, and it was just massive. I wanted to scream and run right then and there, but my mind would not let me. It told me to be as quiet as possible, and as slow as I could. I stared down that thing for what felt like 30 minutes, but was probably no more than 30 seconds. Even still, I got a great look at it. It was dark brown, as big as a black bear, and absolutely still, Its eyes followed me as I moved, but that was all that moved. I know it wasn't a bear, because I know the difference between a bear and a canine. I cleared the woods and immediately ran from my house, screaming for my ex and my friend. Weirdly enough, I didn't tell them what I saw, and I didn't even want to. Not because it sounds crazy, but because I just don't think I should. About five years later, so three years ago, I was hanging out with my cousin, and I had the sudden urge to tell her what happened. She grew up around these woods too, and she knows where the clearing is. I thought she wouldn't believe me, but the hairs on the back of her neck stood up, exactly the same way mine were, as I was explaining this, and I knew at that point she had seen it too. She told me when she was young, she was playing down by the barn with her siblings, my other cousins, and my Aunt Ruth. She called them in for dinner, My other cousins went up to my aunt's house but my cousin stayed to play. She was throwing rocks at the trees when she saw the same wolf running out of the woods toward her. She said it was fast enough to get from the wood line to the barn in about just a second or two. That's about 200 feet. By the time she got to the orchard, this thing was right on her trail. She ran to my aunt's house and never breathed the word of what she saw. The older she got, the more convinced she became that it had been a dream. I have not gone back to that clearing since that day, and my cousin's story explains why I never saw her go into the woods when I was young. My sister hates it here because she claims she feels watched. Everyone but me thinks she's ridiculous. My cousin theorized that it's a type of guardian spirit. It was angry with her for throwing rocks at the trees, and that's why it was aggressive with her. It didn't attack or chase me because I wasn't harming anything. I'm not sure, but it's the best explanation we have. As only us know about it. I'm telling my story for the first time to you guys. Honestly, just so maybe somebody else could help explain it for me in the comments, maybe. Thanks for listening to these creepy, and allegedly true, outdoors horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the show. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating, as that helps us a ton over there. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us by hitting that subscribe button and turning on notifications to never miss a new upload, as I upload them nearly every single day, on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to send it in at swampdweller.net. I'm always looking for more scary stories from the woods and other places. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, and still want to listen to your favorite scary stories from the swamp, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free and always will be. If you would like to support the swamp, instead of hitting that like button, subscribing, and maybe giving us a five-star rating on iTunes, check out our merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more, and I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. Come join me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.